Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. Watson here, freelance writer, player of games, writer of Voyager, quarter of videos, and tabletop role-playing aficionado. Welcome to the Monday edition of my bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DM-only livestream, Crafting Icewind Dale, which I built right and prepare for our next session of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. If you are playing characters of a Robin, Frey, Celeste, Edmund, or Thimbleweed, this is not the right stream for you, but for the rest of you, welcome. There will be lots of spoilers. Our D&D sessions are live on YouTube every Friday. Watch all of our D&D sessions and reviews here on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at RogueWatson and join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash RogueWatson for our campaign. We use Roll20.net. So we're looking like we're going to do a one-shot um, <laughs> this week, which means because we've got some players out. So I've got a little extra time to prepare, which is always nice. I'm still going to do my normal crafting uh, schedule because I could always craft some more Icewind Dale. And we can still talk about It Ascendant a little bit more, but we can also talk about, uh, now that I know where my players are actually going next, which is, yay, they picked a good one, uh, the Goliaths. We are going to be headed east towards the mountains. Now, the Goliaths are in the book, um, and they even have two pretty good-sized, cool maps in the book to represent Wormdoom, Crag, and Sky Tower Shelter, but not really anything that's interesting going on there. There's a lot of information. From what I remember, there's a little bit of a Hatfield and McCoy thing, which is like two feuding clans uh, who are have like kind of simmering cold war almost with each other. And of course the classic tale is usually that, um, you know, thing that made them hate each other is uh, not a big deal at all. And uh, in this case, that's true. It's just like, I I think it's a misunderstanding about somebody heard a a Griffin accidentally playing a game or something. And the two clans like are at odds with each other. And the players are just kind of meant to be um, mediators, but there's just no, there's no interesting like steps along the way or twists or uh, anything other than just ferrying the characters back and forth between these two locations. So I'm going to have to expand that area make it a little bit more interesting. And I think I'm going to do that by using a third party. Let's see, what is it called? From the DMs Guild, from the same designer that did uh, the, lo- the uh, Expanded Towers of Etherin. I'm also using gotten there yet. It is called what is it called? 
Counters an Icewind Dale. Nope. Adventure. Bundle. Worm Doom Hunt. Alright. From the Frostmaiden Adventure Bundle. Let's see if I can find it on. I mean, I could talk about It Ascended, but I thought I'd talk a little bit about the Giants. I was not prepared. Let's see. Under Worm Doom Hunt. Okay, yeah. So you can search Worm Doom Hunt. But I will put. Uh, I'll put this in the. Specifically, as this is kind of what I'm looking at, uh, by Dan Kahn, who uh, has made a lot of really great materials specifically for certain uh, campaign adventures. Most recently, I've been reviewing a lot of his products that he's done for The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, which have been really, really good, even though I don't necessarily um, am looking at running that adventure, but I'm looking at the material that he's been producing and been like, this is exactly what I want. If I'm running this adventure, this is the the kind of themes that I'm looking for. You know, I want more uh, dungeon crawls and more uh, just it does a, a great job of expanding all of that stuff. And I think the same is true for Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. And this one in particular, unfortunately, it uses a Frost Giant, which we just did a lot of Frost Giant stuff. So I may change that around. It, it, but it, uses, it also uses a White Dragon, which ironically we just dealt with an ancient White Dragon. But this time a, a fightable White Dragon, I would say. I may upgrade it. Um, into maybe just an adult dragon, or I could replace the whole thing. But essentially, they gave you a quest to go up the mountain and deal with uh, this giant dragon combo situation, which I think is a lot more interesting than what's currently going on with the Goliath. You could still do the, you know, hey, these this Goliath troop, or I would think maybe even escalate the uh, the situation to where like there are they are straight up fighting each other. Like, don't turn into a cold war, make it a, a hot war. <laughs> Um, and so that maybe they have to actually deal with Goliaths fighting each other, but, uh, or, or make it more of a D and D mission is like, Hey, you know, you, you go here, you get a very RPG like quest of go to this area, take care of this problem. And then, you know, we'll reward you in kind. In this case, the reward would be to, um, probably expand phrase magical acts, maybe give it like the final upgrade actually in chapter two isn't it it's weird that we're this far into the campaign and i'm still looking at chapter two but that's just kind of the way the the book is set up and and how i like to spread out all the chapter two stuff uh throughout the campaign throughout i guess the first two acts at least act three is purely going to be caves of hunger and etherin which is a lot of content but will not feature any chapter two stuff because we will no longer be in uh, the tundra. I mean, look, these are really nice little. I mean, it looks like a dungeon crawl, right? With like the caves and there's a cool ass like dragon skeleton here, but it's not at all. Uh, I guess the other version is you could go extreme, and make it be like this place is deserted and has been attacked, and there's you could turn it into a dungeon crawl if you wanted to. But yeah, there is some that could actually go over pretty well, uh, lazy DM. Um, there are some fun little activities players can do with the Goliaths. I guess. It's just a non-traditional, you know, when you picture a D&D uh, area, all of these areas have been, you go to a hostile or semi-hostile place, and it's basically a mini dungeon crawl. And that's just not at all what the Goliath stuff is. It's like you go to a town, like an outpost, and just kind of talk to people. I, I just wish there was more of a, a quest here versus just chatting with people, though, which maybe the being able to play the games is enough. And I think that's why I'm going to add that the third-party material, because I think it adds... Um, what I'm craving, which is a nice little, not even a dungeon crawl, like just go up the mountain and fight a dragon, which that's, yes, that's what I think we needed. <laughs> but I do think there's some fun stuff with um, the 
sports games that players can play. Well, you know, my players have a lot of fun with like the dinosaur races and that kind of thing. So you could maybe even put on, maybe you could even turn into like a little mini Winter Olympics. That could actually be a lot of fun. <laughs> like the two clans are meeting together for the Winter Games in the middle and you've got a whole section of like sports stuff going on. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. That could be fun. Then it becomes all about competing in these events. And maybe you put in some nice little drama, like maybe somebody's cheating at the events, or maybe there's like a chemical agent, you know, there's a doping scandal that the Goliaths are using. Or maybe just during the whole thing, um, you know, a dragon attack swoops down. Or maybe that's one of the events is they have to go up and, and fight this dragon, but... Um, I don't know, it turns out there's like an, uh, there's a complication that makes it a lot harder for them to hunt it or something. Maybe that's, that's a possibility. Just to expand that, I'm just looking at expanding the sports area to make it maybe a little more interesting. Yeah, there's a... I think it's the idea is there's... I'd have to reread it. There's either a dragon... I think it's... I think you go up there and you're supposed to fight a dragon, but it's been like... Um, corralled and like almost taken over by a frost giant, which... I may eliminate that part just because we literally just dealt with a frost giant, so that part feels a little bit too uh, samey. Oh, missing, yeah, that's yeah, and and they've got they were invited uh, to Worm Doom Crag because they did rescue that one Goliath from uh, Sunblight. There's a wounded Aracocra. Nothing really going on there. Oh, that's how you get the elemental gem. Never refuse a challenge for wrestling. Okay. I just wish there was more going on here. It's, I mean, they're cool maps. And there's neat ideas. I mean, the idea would be you want to give them an excuse to go to Sky Tower Shelter. Because at Sky Tower Shelter, I think they have a chance to uh, gain Griffin mounts, maybe? Although, they, if they get the It Ascendant ship, then that becomes kind of moot. Shardlin doping. <laughs> That's a good one. Embedding it in the... Yeah, I wonder if, I wonder if the Goliath's been finding Shardlin. They've got this new, this hot new tool embedded in your skin. That's not weird. Look at the maps while I'm doing this. Arn Rockfist. It's a good name. Actually, they're straight up not welcome in Sky Tower Shelter initially. Interestingly enough, they are much more... Uh, just bar the gates to outsiders. Many summers ago, the children of Sky Tower challenged the children of Worm Doom to a game of Goat Ball. One of the children of Worm Doom angered at being knocked off her perch, threw the ball at one of our griffins, and struck it in the head. It wounded her in return. The game was called off. Days later, hunters from Worm Doom climbed our mountain and slew the griffin in its nest. A grave insult. We've been at war ever since. There it is. If you speak to Worm Doom, they get a different version of the story. Running in the cloak of the Worm Doom Cheater by killing a lie and telling it from wherever. I guess that'd be the interesting thing if the players actually want to decide with one side and go and kill the other side. But I think you're also allowed to mediate. And by restoring Kanika's sight, can the characters convince Arn to meet with Olgolai and settle their differences only at Sky Tower Shelter or on neutral ground? And see, that would be like you could promote like the Winter Games. Maybe I have to have an NPC to like prod the players to do that. Killing other clients, Arn has a weakened attack zone. Domesticated Crag Cat by your side. Magic can cure her blindness. Restores her vision. So that's it. If you can magically cure this one character's blindness, then you can help mediate things. 
What about a baby Remoraz? Remoraz is fun. Remoraz is fun. We haven't fought one yet. That could be kind of interesting. That would be more of a cave situation versus a top of the mountain situation. Reading about this other place. It's been a while since I looked at the Griffin chapter. The Goliath chapter. Baby Griffins. Griffin taming. Takes years. <laughs> we don't have years. Alright, I need to read some more about this, and then I'll be able to talk more about the Goliaths, but uh, I am looking at expanding that section. Originally, the one thing I was disappointed at is that we did not have a, a, a Goliath player character into this campaign, because I did think that would be a great excuse to use the Goliaths and be able to integrate that better into a character backstory. Uh, but instead, uh, I gave Frey the axe from a Goliath, and then I'm kind of using that as her main character arc and development. And maybe that would be the other thing, is maybe if she received some kind of blessing, then um, it would help, uh, I don't know. I almost tempted, like, maybe she can fix her, like, cannibalism backstory, but I think she kind of likes it. <laughs> it's, you know, kind of dark and uh, very powerful. So maybe just upgrading the axe would be the way to go. And at that point, it becomes one of those uh, vestiges. Frost Salamanders does sound pretty cool. I do have an excuse to use something cool here, and I, I will definitely use something cool. I will say that right now, that, that third party, like I said, the one that's called Worm Doom Hunt, uses a Frost Giant and a White Dragon. Um, I was initially on board with all of that, and then we just dealt with a White Dragon and a Frost Giant, so that's the only reason I'm a little nervous about immediately running that again. So if my players are traveling east, um, presumably along the road, and then they'll be going this way, we can use our original plan for launching it ascendant uh it's going to be a 24 mile journey so that's about six hours with the wagon but then once they get to you know we can say like here can't really ping the map unless i'm here uh then we can start triggering celeste's um the psi crystal which i did not let her de attune to notice <laughs> and pull them up to it ascendant maybe not even put it that far i can i can put a little bit closer or or not i mean it can still be yeah, somewhere where it's like a, very much not traveled by most people which would be in this general area and in that case and they wouldn't have to pull to it but i would give them that initial quest hook uh, and and let uh celeste immediately be able to translate the uh that cool message that comes in, which is not alloyed down, emergency protocols enabled, crew safe, but vessel imperiled, psi crystal needed, come at once. And that should lead them immediately to it ascendant first before doing the Goliath. This will be an interesting chance, uh, kind of similar to what I did with our previous excursion where I added Yarrowmoot um, en route, but this time I'm adding, and then and them not having known about Yarrowmoot, but this time I'm, I'm adding it ascendant and I'm expecting them to go to it ascendant first versus Yarrowmoot. I expected them to do that second because this one sounds a little bit more urgent they could surprise me they could skip it and go to the goliath so i do need to just in case repair some uh goliath stuff but we can worry about that on thursday and for now i want to talk some more about it ascendant because i was talking recently that's also why i never uh put a subtitle on this one because i just wasn't sure what area would talk about specifically Jeremy asks, will they encounter any oral followers on the way? I don't really have oral followers. I do have her minions. Um, there are, so there's one faction I could follow up on, which is uh, Avarice's faction of whatever they were called, the Black Swords, I guess, which were people specifically 
gathering and weaponizing and trying to take control of Shardalan in a very powerful way. Um, and I, it would probably be a good idea to have an update. In fact, I need to probably follow up and have her contact uh, Valravin and maybe try and get some information about it and maybe have information from her um, because ultimately I would love for her to catch up to the party around the time they're in Act 3 or starting Act 3, um, but I need to have some kind of give and take information there. It's, it's not fair that he would just immediately give all that information to uh, her. So maybe I need to figure out what they've been doing. And it's only been a couple days. Maybe, how long has it been since they were in? It would have been since, let's see, how long has it been since they did Care Deneval? Care Deneval. Uh, our travel to Care Deneval into the castle, deal with the Black Swords. I was on day five. Day six. Uh, okay, so I think it's been, it's actually been 10 days since they last dealt with Avarice, so over a week. That's more than a couple days. I didn't have a hard uh, plan for Avarice until I was going to use her showing up later. It is hard to get that uh, narrative pacing down when you're doing all these extra things in there, and you also want to juggle the plates of having these ongoing ongoing story plot lines. Um, I did that a little bit in Tomb. Mainly also with Chris's character, ironically, with uh, Zendala and the uh, the whole Ring of Winter plot. I tried to insert that in a couple places, and I should do a better job of that here when it comes to Avarice, just so that I can remind the players that her faction is out there. She still has a direct contact with Fall Robin, um, and uh, as far as they know, she's you know one of the main uh, wizards, and... She is still out there with a whole faction, and she just agreed to vacate uh, the Black Sword's premises and now has basically taken control of that faction. To what end? She's also looking for um, Ethrin, and she needs to be able to follow her way back there. And even if Robin doesn't tell her things, then um, I could just have it be like, well, she's been tracking you this whole time or something. Maybe Avarice is a more powerful wizard than any of them expected. All right, it Ascendant. Um... One thing I thought was super dumb is that this very cool uh, organic spaceship has just plain-ass ballistas mounted on it, which felt a little goofy to me. Are we to, to believe that the little gnome ceramorphs operate these giant ballistas or their flesh golem thing operates the ballistas? It just seems weird. And the first one is the one on the lower level is inoperable. And the one on the second level is supposed to be um, fully operational, but I'm still not even sure who's designed to do that. Now, I like the idea, and I think it was Sylvan Fox that recommended. Um, I, my original thought was as part of the defenses of the Ascendant because I did want to. I wanted to uh, front load the combat because I figured the the mind flayers would actually be uh, a, a social situation, a social encounter, and then the fighting of the Ascendant would basically be done there. So I was going to have it, okay, what about a, a stone golem or an iron golem or some kind of golem creature as the defense, you know, the classic robot. And then maybe the walls will pop out with the eyeballs like I did in, uh, or not I did, but it was designed in that one level of Tomb of Annihilation um, with the Beholder level. But then uh, someone Fox recommended the Mind Witness, which is literally a Beholder that's been taken over by a Mind Flayer, which immediately solves my eyeball uh, problem in terms of which ones that I'd want to use. So now my thought process is 
Do I just want to replace these ballistas with mind witnesses? In other words, um, maybe they're not literally mind witnesses, but I'm using the stat block as a uh, organic turret, an automated organic turret that Indescendant uses. My only problem with this is if I give the players a Descendant, that means that they would maybe have the controls over here. Maybe, or maybe that's too alien for them to figure out. And also, like I said, it doesn't really fuck me up too bad, except for, I did realize this, um, if I give them a Descendant, well, I could still make them crash. Basically, then I, I they would be able to park right next to Grim Skull and not have to land a ship and then go through the island of solstice but i could always have it be this big uh cinematic uh you know event that's this blizzard appears and makes force them to crash or something I could, I could do that it's a little cheesy but i could do that um and then at that point it doesn't really matter if i give them a lot of tools for the ship because they wouldn't really be using their ship for any of these uh areas i think to think where they'd be able to do it because act three is just completely you know they have to descend into the cave of you know they have to land the ship and go inside so i don't think having them access to a time to a powerful ship is going to be terribly game breaking he said uh with full confidence will she be upset about being abducted probably um and i do plan on <laughs> making it a an awkward situation where they have no remorse about that they don't think that what they're doing is wrong at all um they're not hostile they're not they're not assholes but they are probably sociopaths and just don't understand that um maybe you shouldn't abduct uh sentient creatures and experiment on them or, or any creatures really and uh and, and subject them to terribly weird experiments even even with the pretext of trying to expand their brain power because probably many of them have died uh with trying to make that happen but there'll be something like this is trying to be our next level of evolution I will try to use my best uh, Zoidberg. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I can't actually do a Zoidberg. But it'll probably sound a lot like the Beholder from uh, Tomb of Annihilation that I did. It was a lot of tongue, a lot of slobbery tongue. You know, James, that would actually be a, a great one. Be and I, <laughs> that would be a great excuse to bring back Aviatris. How cool would that be? It's almost too cruel to give the players an awesome airship and start playing the Final Fantasy airship song whenever they dun, 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 dun. And, you know when they get to cruise around and like oh man and just fucking seconds later this giant ancient white dragon just comes and just rips the shit out of this thing it, especially if they get too close to the glacier that would be pretty interesting um and that might be a, a final coda to maybe um a good bridge from man, now you got my juices flowing. A good bridge to get us from Act Two to Act Three. Let's say they they finish, you know, Grim Scala, uh, and they go towards the glacier, and then we trigger this big dragon fight, and and maybe we'll let the players like, hey, you can try to fire off the mind witness blasts, and the dragons coming in and doing all its things on you, and you guys are doing crap, and by then they're like level, you know, twelve or something. Oh, that could be fucking crazy cool as a final. Uh, Thing for and Aviatrix would just originally see like what the hell is a you know Nautiloid doing in my uh, neck of the woods, especially because I've previously mentioned the fact that she controls the shipping lane. So maybe just by sheer luck, they make it to the island of Solstice, um, you know, without uh, provoking her ire. But when they leave it, 
then suddenly the dragon swoops in and uh, it's a and and the the goal of that fight not only is to provide a, a fun climactic fight with an ancient white dragon who maybe not necessarily going to stick around and fight to the death but just enough to down the ship to where they get dramatically downed and then uh, you know conveniently they're not that far from the eventual glacier entrance but maybe maybe they have to fight an uh, ancient white dragon towards the end I don't know um, I probably don't necessarily want to kill a, an important named white dragon in my campaign but. I guess I'm flexible for that. But that is an awesome, awesome situation, and now I'm really looking forward to doing that. So I, I really hope... My goal, honestly, in Innocent is to kind of give them this airship either... And the nice thing is, if they decide to, to go, uh, say, no remorse, we're going to avenge Celeste's uh, you know horrible trauma and kill these Mind Flayers, and then... I will just let them operate the ship. Now, there will probably there was an interesting discussion in, in the Discord channel about like, can your players just fly this thing? Um, maybe you know Celeste could probably maybe through like a skill check or something. And if you fail it, you could still operate it. Maybe you get exhaustion or take psychic damage or something along the lines. Where I don't want to necessarily just completely lock you out because that's just not fun. But maybe you know it's falling forward, so there's uh, or failing forward, which means there would be a a, a consequence to. Um, you know, not being able to operate it very well. Or you can work with the Mind Flayers, uh, you know, help. I don't, I don't know if I should give them a quest or just, I mean, working with them, bringing them the Psy Crystal is kind of already completing the quest, honestly. So as long as you just say, yeah, you can use this Psy Crystal, and then the Mind Flayers would be like, okay, great, we can use that. And and I guess the excuse there would be like, maybe it takes a while for them to be able to go intergalactic, or, or maybe they, um, they're not needing to leave this plane or uh, planet or whatever it is they go to. Maybe they're still like, oh yeah, we still want to go around and do our thing, but now we just need to go around and abduct people. And maybe the players will help them with that. I don't know. Or maybe the players will be like, no, okay, look, we're going to help you with this, but you got to stop abducting people. Instead, you know, we help carry us around to different places and then you know, maybe the and through maybe some really clever, fun role playing, they can either uh, have one of them be subjected to the same experiment, or they can say, "Look, no, seriously, we brought you the side crystal. That's enough. Take us to you know." And, and maybe in that case, they'll only be allowed to go to like one or two places. So I'm kind of willing to work with them on that and try to find a happy medium. Uh, but but the goal is certainly to let them use this as an airship because I think at this level, I'm I'm really not worrying about random encounters honestly i think the ones from that we had with the giant and the dragon are, are pretty much the last random encounters i care about the exception will be when we get to uh the island of solstice because you could almost that and no, that's no longer almost like a tundra encounter kind of that whole area is like an outdoor dungeon you could kind of treat it as so i think that would be a little bit different. I would want to use it as like a gauntlet of encounters. And then that's like part one of the dungeon. And then Grim Scala is like part two. So it's almost all part of one big dungeon crawl at that point. Remind the ship is another dragon and she's sort side. Yeah, very much so. I mean, not even, and even with her uh, experience and knowledge, she might not even be 100% what this is other than it just looks like a flying monster in her territory that's gigantic. Maybe gross octopus interface to the mind witness guns like they stick a squid on their faces. That'd be pretty crazy. Um, almost like uh, I'm picturing what was the movie with the giant star? Um, uh, it was the Suicide Squad, right? The 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 James Gunn one with the the starro and all the it, it like zombifies people and they get the nasty like starfish thing on their head with the eyeball. 
the idea is though to be able to have this thing have its uh, automated defenses really um although maybe people wouldn't would have to manually do it but I, i'd want these things to just attack kind of automatically and i can even use the uh the picture and everything just fine i wonder if i can i might need to do something in the background just to cover up the ballistics it's like a little weird some kind of fleshy mound or something but then what that means is i would use two mind witnesses which uh we can take a look at this stat block it is a uh kind of a nice weaker beholder you know beholder has eight eyes and this guy uh or girl or it aberration i think they're i think they're asexual right they dream each other into existence or something weird um has six rays and none of them are really scary <laughs> which is the only things that really do annoy me are the ones that are like the death ray or power word kill where it's like oh if you fail this you just fucking die instantly like that sucks that's not fun uh you know having somebody roll repeated death saves is pretty fun it ups the tension but just that instant like oh no i happen to have a, a death ray and you died like that's that one's kind of sucky so I like the ones that aren't that, which is a lot of cool debuff, slowing, fear, a straight up stun. Telekinetic is just fun, lifts people up in the air. And then I believe one of them does damage, I think. Or can it just do, makes one bite attack, one tentacle attack, or it uses a eye ray three times, which is pretty nice. Maybe it doesn't do damage, a version ray is disadvantage, fear, slow, stun. And telekinetic okay i thought it had a damage ray i guess not i guess telekinetic could do damage because it would move it 30 feet up in the air or 30 feet in any direction which air is the best place here if they get close then it can grab the tentacles i would probably i mean for all intents and purposes i would probably just use the mind witness stat block in terms of if they wanted to come up and attack it they could but it wouldn't really be a creature that would move around the battlefield. It would very much feel like this automated uh, turret thing that they don't necessarily know how to turn off. Unless, if they're getting their asses kicked, then I can always have one of the uh, gnome ceramorphs come out, I guess. I'm already going to eliminate the flesh golem because I thought it was really dumb. I'll replace that with the uh, regular golem. And then for the gnomes squidling babies i don't know they almost are just a distraction to what i'm trying to do here in this story so not sure if i'll keep them either uh the carrion crawlers do make for good minions for the gnome ceramorphs in case it comes down to combat so i will keep them but we're probably going to keep them back and not have them out in the snow so we're thinking um we have an initial fight which is um against i think just a pair of boulets ah, weird situation um this is the one where they investigate you know the the cracked uh or the the pods that have ejected from it ascendant and they start realizing what they're dealing with and then happens to be these creatures where i'd also been abducted um, I'm still debating whether I want to give them the Mind Blast ability or not. I think that would make things a little more interesting. I think Boulets are pretty strong, but obviously this is a fully rested level 9 party, so they'll be able to handle them. But I do plan on ambushing the party with them and then getting their Deadly Leap off for sure. And what I'm almost tempted to do is uh, 
destroy their wagon. Which would also prompt them to trying to get the Ascendant thing operational. Because I could have one of these boulets just jump and do its deadly leap and fucking crush into the wagon. Which I could rule would basically destroy. I mean, it would certainly destroy the reindeer. Like this thing does, if it does its deadly leap, if it jumps at least 15 feet as part of its movement, it can use the action to land on its feet in a, in a space that contains creatures. Each of those creatures succeed in a DC 16 strength or deck save or be knocked prone and take 3d6 plus 4 bludgeoning damage plus 3d6 plus 4 slashing damage. On average, even if they make the save, all those reindeer are killed from that attack. So I kind of like the idea that if they're if they're if they if they're in the wagon and some of them get out and 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 uh investigate but not all of them and then I could have it be where uh you know maybe it's they they've set a trap like this or something I want to you know yeah, raptor situation all the genocider <laughs> the crates save the crates <laughs> Is that too cruel? What do we think? Like it's I've already eaten one reindeer with a dragon. Um they've been using their wagon like crazy. It's it's been a really good tool for the last uh you know bunch of sessions. And the funny thing is this would be a motivator to like, hey, now you really need to get some, you know, you're worried about shelter and getting around and all that. So clearly it ascendant, you need to be able to get this uh ship operational and then you can basically use that as your upgrade. So the timing just works out pretty nice. And and maybe they'll all shuffle out of the wagon, leave Blista behind and uh, investigate in which case uh, and maybe I could still do that because the boulets would be attracted by uh, attracted to the reindeers you know movement and the thumping on the ground and all that because these things can burrow underground and they would be lying in wait I could add some more if we think I'm being too nice with only two of them here um, they're CR5 they've got an average of 100 hit points with 17 AC we just saw them kick a frost giant's ass even when they were weakened so it's maybe I need to add one more boule. I'm willing to hear that out just to make this fight a little more interesting. Because, yeah, partly the challenge I'm having to do is scale up for these higher level players for sure. Let me know if we think I need to add more on there or not. But that'll be essentially their first fight of this area. And then the second fight of the area will be them uh, coming up to... Yes, the goblin is alive. I need to put the goblin back on the map. Okay, so much about this guy. This goblin, by the way, if you remember her origins, was the one who uh, was just the messenger that I sent from Corkaloke, who was supposed to give the message about, hey, come to Corkaloke and, and do that whole quest. And then the players asked what her name was, and I just grabbed a random name out of my ass. And then Ballista was born, and that became this... You know, That's kind of the best way to do NPC. It's so funny. Like As a DM, you'll you'll craft this this lovely, intricate... You know, NPC with all his backstory and stuff. The player's like, okay, sure. And then all of a sudden, it's this just random ass goblin that the players have somehow like feel nothing but empathy for because the town was taking less than stellar care of them, uh, and immediately like sided with her and loved her, and uh, and she's been driving their wagon ever since. So <laughs> that would be the biggest bummer of of destroying the wagon is that it all but destroys Ballista as well unless she has some really crazy plot armor on and maybe she does maybe she deserves a better fate than being 
crushed by a random, especially because just surviving that frost giant ordeal, uh, just crushed by a random boulet from leaping out of the snow does feel a little bit harsh. Maybe I just kill off more reindeer um, to where the wagon is still technically operational, but is like with the reindeer destroyed, they're also screwed. So I don't necessarily even have to destroy the wagon to screw them over. I can just destroy their reindeer and then they're screwed. Like they have nobody else that can pull the damn thing. I mean, I, I could, that's the other option. I could always change creatures and look for something else. Um, Boulay was just part of the, uh, it, it's actually built into it ascendant. It's already here in Rhyme of the Frostbane, so it's easy for me to grab it. Um, the original adventure only has one. So similar to Dark Duchess, where I added two Ice Trolls, I'm just doubling the number of Boulets, but the Ice Troll thing I staggered, which I probably shouldn't have done in hindsight, because they were e easily able to focus fire each one one at a time and take them out both in like a single round. This time it would not be a stagger, it would be both of them attacking together. And I would get a surprise round, which also makes a very big deal with uh, combat, if you get that free... Get that free deadly leap on. It knocks everybody over. It does a bunch of damage. Unfortunately, they do not have multi-attack, which is a little bit of a bummer. Remember, man, you guys are so horny for Remorazes. Holy shit. <laughs> it's the fireworks factory. When are we going to see the Remoraz? I mean, don't get me wrong. They're very, very cool creatures, and Icewind Dale should be home to them. Um, what are we looking at? CR 11, 200 hit points, 17 AC, and it just fucking eats people. It also insta-does melee damage. If it touches the Remorizer, hits it with a melee attack, while within 5 feet of it takes 3d6 fire damage. That's pretty nasty. Which means Frey's Rage doesn't help against that, and like every time those uh, her and Celeste hit, it would trigger this damage. That'd be really bad for Celeste, because Celeste hits like 4 or 5 times around. It's a target with its plus 11 attack. It does an average of 40 piercing damage, plus 10 fire damage. This is a boss monster. This is a fucking boss monster. It can bite. Or it can make a bite attack. The creature is already grappling, and then it swallows them, and they start taking that sweet, sweet stomach acid damage. Frost Giant Yarmut experience would be a good reason for her to retire. I mean, I guess. That's true. She could, I mean, I don't know. That feels weird. The goblin's like, I'm just going to stay in town, guys. Find your own fucking driver. Maybe she could stay. Actually, she would want to stay with. She could stay with Spellix as a, as a assistant or something. You know what I will do? I'll mention the fact. I'll try to remember this, but I'll mention that perhaps Ballista, um, says something when they make it back to town or while they're traveling. I guess they already made it back to town. But maybe she can say something like she, or maybe I just tell the players from intuition, like, "Hey, you sense that she's really shaken up by this." And uh, she's not sure that she's cut out for this adventuring thing and, and all that. And we'll see where the players are, are feeling it. Do they really like say, no, you just suck it up and stick with us? Or do they say like, hey, if you want to stay somewhere else or do you have family or something that you want to go back to, that's perfectly fine. So I'll, I'll give them an out for that, basically. Remoraz is crazy strong. I will say we are going to find a Remoraz eventually, but that's, I think that's going to be, yeah, imagine Frey trying to jump on his back. She will try. Um... We are for sure going to see it in the Caves of Hunger. There's a huge central part where Remoraz is there as a really fun kind of mid-boss monster. I think that'll be a fun opportunity for it. So I don't want to tilt my hand too much because I think it's a really cool monster and I don't want to necessarily 
overuse it because it should be a pretty rare creature to fight. But yeah, it's it's pretty cool. But I could add, I could change it with something. There's um, there was a cool one from uh, Tomb of Beast called the Rhyme Worm, which was a really cool, uh, nasty uh, kind of a giant snail looking thing with like tentacles coming out and um, had some cool cold ice themed powers. I could use that creature. Um, I don't think it was much different CR wise. Also, don't think it's in. I think they have Tomb of Beasts in here. Oh yeah, they do. Sweet, I can pick it up from here. When he's got it all, baby. Yeah, this is the Rhyme Worm. Big ol' snail with tentacles and crystals. And it kind of has a similar, it's got the aura, which is nice. Not as strong, but it's constantly on. The start of the Rhyme Worm's turn, enemies within five feet take 1d4 cold damage plus 1d4 necrotic damage. If two or more enemies take damage from the R in a single turn, the Rhyme Worm's Black Ice Spray recharges immediately. That's pretty nice. Spray is a 30-foot long, 5-foot wide, necrotic, bl blinding. It's the fucking, like, Dilophosaurus uh, Jurassic Park thing. <laughs> Except it's slivers of ice. Slivers of ice that do necrotic damage. Blinding and doing... Yeah, that seemed pretty good. And it can hit people with a tendril, and then if somebody's grappled by the Rhyme Worm, it takes an additional 2d12 cold damage with Devour. It is a CR6, so slightly stronger. Doesn't have the big, you know, jumping thing that the Boulets do. It's actually not even immune to cold, it's just resistant. And similar stats. It's about 100 hit points with 15 AC, but it does have multi-attack, and it has that spray that it can uh, fire off. I really want to use this creature also. I'm just not sure where exactly I want to use him. It feels like a creature that you would find in a cave. And I'm thinking also the cave would be a better location because it's got that, um, you know, straight line blast. 30 foot long, 5 feet wide. Uh, it's easy for players to spread out out in the open versus if we can encounter this thing in a cave. And maybe we can do something like this, um, you know, in the Goliath section when I said that they go up to fight a dragon maybe they go up in the cave the first you know room in the cave has these rhyme worms to help you know break the party down a little bit so that could be a useful thing so I, I'm definitely going to use this creature as well just probably not right here because I think I think ideally you want to use this in an enclosed space take advantage and also take advantage of its aura just being close to its aura uh, deals auto damage and can recharge that spray nasty Rubs at smaller stats. Yep, CR1. Not have any of the fancy things and just lower attacks. Okay, but that's interesting. You could put a bunch of little guys in there. Baby rhyme worms. Is there an elemental? Isn't that weird? Elemental, huh? Rhyme worms are large. Rubs are medium. Maybe I could add a third boule just because they don't have multi-attack. That's the main bummer. Is that too much to add have three of them there? A lot of players. There's going to be kicking ass. And me without multi-attack. Because they do that deadly leap. I rolled not grand hit points either. 
Because the Deadly Leap does not count, of, count as its attack either. That's just, it does that instead of its attack. So you could have like two of them Deadly Leap and one of them just pop up with a bite. But then you're, I don't know if you're going to be able to do another Deadly Leap again unless they specifically burrow. You could take the Disengage action, I guess. Burrow through a tunnel. Somebody like Frey is going to want to follow them. Doesn't have the magic earth elemental ability to just, you know, slide into the ground. But I like that they have tremor sense, tremor sense of 60 feet, which means I can easily have them be completely submerged in the ground and the players walking over them. Maybe they jump out and they can sense, you know, the players walking around a bit and then they can burst out and do their deadly leaps, flash bites, and get that surprise run out. I think the surprise run will be key here to make this fight uh, interesting. I don't see them lasting more than like two rounds. Even though it seems like they've got good AC, but we just saw previously the party can easily attack with like 20 plus. Alright, so right now we've got three. I think that'll be good for that initial salvo. For level nine players, so yeah, a lot of what we're doing is just scaling this stuff up. Then we get to it Ascendant. And that's when they will... I'm going to let them get close enough because the, these... The Mind Witnesses will just look like a fleshy blob. Basically, the whole thing is going to look very organic, and there's not going to be anything of note. So I don't want to trigger, you know, I don't want to just let them see these, um, you know, tentacle eyeball things at the top necessarily. It's going to be a fleshy mound. And then obviously when they get close enough, um, can I put them on the map maybe? This map. 40, 30 or 40 feet probably. I want to put them on the top end maybe. It's kind of awkward because there's a where the image is the different levels, so maybe maybe doing the south side would be better. Wait, flesh golem, I'm not going to use you. There's in which case they would actually be pretty close. I mean, this thing's got plenty of range. I'm just trying to figure out how close I want to have the players be. Yeah, I could probably put them like here. Let's probably put them like 40 feet. And at that point, I would probably trigger the two mind witnesses. And then if the players start approaching to like fight, or if even if they call out or something, I'm gonna still let the combat go for a while. And then if it gets to where they're coming in and start punching my mind witness, uh, my ship may, I mean, they won't know. Again, they'll just think it's a ship. Um then I will have the doors open and have one of my robots, my one protector robot come out, which is kind of replace the flesh golem, which I think a stone golem is enough. I know some folks thought that perhaps an iron golem is needed here. That is, iron golem is pretty strong. But we don't necessarily have to fight to the death either. Oh God, ball bearing golem. Ha, <laughs> that's like a T-1000. It's literally a T-1000. can assume nearly any shape it chooses. Amalgamation of metal pellets. That's hilarious. Reforms. Scatters. <laughs> That's actually a pretty interesting idea. R6. Bonus action can disperse scatterings ball bearings in a 15-foot cube. It just turns into ball bearings. <laughs> Can't attack or move except to reform. Can't be targeted by attacks or spells. All right, that's a silly idea, but... Or you could explode with a recharge ability. Not quite what I'm looking for, but that's a funny idea. 
I'm probably looking for basically what's got the ability of a stone golem, but isn't literally a stone golem. Boy, people like making golems. This golem. Target is forced into the golem's boiler. So it can put people inside of it and then melt them with fire damage. That's a good deterrent. I like that the stone golem could cast the slow spell, though. On a recharge, that seemed pretty helpful. Also has a shit ton of hit points. CF 17, CR 10. How do we think of this combat fight? We've got a pair of mine witnesses, and then we're going to have some kind of golem. I just haven't quite nailed down which one yet. Iron Golem's probably going too hard. I also don't like him that he carries a big sword. That feels weird for a defensive robot thing. Seems silly. I don't. His abilities don't really work for me, and he seems a little bit too crazy at CR 16. But, I mean, yeah, the players are crazy. Or the, the dice is crazy. The game balancing gets more and more difficult with every new level, I think. Oh, geez, this thing looks humongous. Yeah, Gargantuan Construct, CR 18. Not quite. One of these tech golems is probably going to work best. Although I don't think the ones that are literally steam could work. Yeah, what's the one that was the excavator that was from Strixhaven? Apparently did not have golem in its name. I guess I could filter by construct, maybe? Wait, golem choices. That's cool. It also carries a sword. Stained glass window golem. Got a golem for everything. Gollum or Golem, by the way? I probably should say Golem. Gollum is the dude from Lord of the Rings. Hi, right, this this looks like a Transformer. Armory Golem. <laughs> That's really funny, actually. Just all the different pieces are, that you would find in the armory. Titan. It's probably too big. Huge. Yeah, it's going to be too big. Fit in the ship. But stat-wise, it's pretty close to what I'm looking for. It's platforms built into its chassis. That's awesome. So you could like ride it. Multi-attack, an axe hand, and a hammer fist. But again, I like the stone golem because it has that slowing. Like the idea is that this robot would be able to take care of uh, creatures that escape. So any kind of things that can pacify uh, creatures versus kill them would be more thematic. Why I liked the stone golem having its slowing effect would help. Or being able to like capture people. Maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree with the whole uh, robot thing. I mean, yeah, I could take the titan and just make it smaller. Absolutely. There's no reason I need to use the, the same thing. If I did use this, I guess I could always use it and change its abilities around a little bit too. Currently, and then I could just size it down to a large. I could just exit out of here. That's true. The mind witnesses do have that. They've got all the debuff stuff I'm looking for. Um, bludgeoning damage can pacify. <laughs> it sure can. Uh, it sure can. And don't forget, one of these is going to be up on a second level. So this is useful. This little cutaway here, which I'm tempted to show my players. 
Um, even if they want to run up and attack the other one, they're going to have to deal with the second one, which has pretty much range unless they all get on... Actually, look at the way it's built. Even if they get on this first outer level, this thing still has range over them. It's only once they get inside the ship that the the mine witnesses can't target them anymore. But this thing will be raining hell from above unless they can find a way to get up 25 feet. Now, obviously, my players have a lot of tools to do that with, which is the nice thing about this level. The nice thing about this level, by this level, I mean once they get out of Tier 1, um, you can just throw problems at the players, and they will find a way. Life will find a way. Like, they... They've just got so many tools available and between spells and different just built-in hero abilities. I mean, Frey can climb any kind of surface. She's a she's Spider-Man, basically. Uh, Thimbleweed can go up and down with his uh, bugs and uh, Edmund can always drink, which somebody, by the way, pointed out uh, on the YouTube comment that after he does his initial free elixir, if he ever spends a spell slot to make additional ones, he doesn't have to roll. He can just choose which ones to use. We have both been uh, missing that rule for this entire time, and, and nobody, as far as I know, pointed out to us until then. So uh, he could always, in other words, he could always make that flying potion, and then we got another person who can make it up there. So that's I'm perfectly happy with keeping this as it is, having a one up there from above that's just firing down at them every round. And then they have to choose from there. But I think it's the only way that this mind witness battle is interesting is if you have something else pop out of the ship that can go deal with the players because these things really aren't doing a lot of damage themselves, especially if I'm not flying around with them, which I'm not. I'm going to keep them pretty much rooted here. Or I could change that and have it be like, well, they're still automated defenses, but it is basically just a mind. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting away from the whole automated defense thing. And it's like, look, let's just turn these into creatures because creatures are easier to run. So I could have it fly around with 20 feet. I mean, that's not a lot of movement anyway. But I was literally picturing it like not even being a literal mind witness, but being a part of the ship that just comes alive with eyeballs popping out and fires the players. And then only through um, essentially the gnome ceramorphs turning that off um, does that battle end. Or if the players take, um, you know, I will allow them to deal damage to it and have them have hit points, which would uh, basically permanently disable them. Brew quarters, I'm not sure. I think it's these vats in here. They they like live in these vats or something. In three. Cryogenic stasis pods. Each of these four rooms contains a five diameter crimson semi trans semi translucent crystal sphere in a low stand. Each sphere is a cryogenic stasis pod designed to keep a gnome ceremorph or a gnome squidling alive and healthy on a long voyage. So there you go. The crew quarters are uh, a, a bat. There, and six is where you actually like plug in the side crystal, I believe. Seven is the bridge. Uh, they do have a captain's quarters at N9. I guess that's kind of where you do all your command stuff. That's true, so that's one of them. Okay, so now it adds up. There's one, two, three, four, five. And then the thing at the end which is a weird like oh by the way go take care of this creature for us which i would just launch them which i'm gonna do before they even get to a descendant i could look at modrons look at that stat block uh oh are they not called modrons we don't have modrons in here 
are all called by the different thing. I guess our Modrons, um, like Tridrone, one of them. Shapes, I think. We have ever used a Modron in any of our campaigns, have we? Call, they look like some, uh, some Jim Henson or that one. There's a couple of movies have these kind of weird aesthetics. Things are really weak. Modron is the language, I guess. None of them are actually called Modron. But they are constructs, so I could still filter by construct to try to figure out something. But yeah, you could use a couple. I was picturing the classic like big robot thing, kind of a sci-fi trope, as the other big defender aside from the mind witnesses. Which um, the Warforged Titan would probably work well. It just does damage the big old robot. Um, it's got some good stats. Have it come charging out. Maybe it drops out like a... Uh, no, it doesn't drop out because they're not bringing the air. They're crashing to the ground. So that doesn't make sense. It pops out of the top area. Which I guess I could. It could strode down from the battle deck and then flop down and do a superhero landing. Or just come out of the door with the cargo hold. Maybe it's kept in a little box. Yeah. The problem is I need to have this thing trigger with the Mind Witness fights and not separate them. I think that's the key is to have this fight together and not have it be separated. So whenever the players first trigger the Mind Witnesses by approaching the ship, I'll need to also trigger uh, the robot. Even if it makes more sense to have them hang back until they enter the ship, by the time they enter the ship, they've already dealt with these creatures and I want to be able to combine them. Yeah, Labyrinth, um, Mirror Mask, I think was the one I was thinking of. There's another... Good one of that vein. Then have this thing uh, exit probably around the time they're like getting within melee distance of the mind witness. So maybe not doing the first round, but maybe the second round, which hopefully my mind witnesses would survive against that. Ooh, 59 is bad. 89 is good. All right. We're going to have the less hit point one. Might as well put it on the top. And then I would leave the carrying crawlers um, back and keep them with the gnome ceramorphs so that if they do decide to throw down uh the gnome ceramorphs have a little bit of backup that's what we're looking at for it ascendant though um the boulet fight initially and then you know obviously some story stuff and then for the defenses i like the mind witnesses replacing the ballistas as their defense and then using some kind of robot which i am liking the or Forge Titan uh, to help really break them down because I would certainly let them short rest um, once they get here. I don't know about a long rest because that might be a little too generous of me from only two encounters. Um, but hopefully we can, and, and maybe we don't deal with them socially and maybe it's another fight with a gnome Ceramorphs as well. But the idea was they will eventually get this it ascendant as either a temporary or permanent airship, essentially, and then they can continue on to do the Goliaths, and then I, maybe you don't even have to return to town, depending on if you can long rest in this airship now. Um, you know, and obviously you could long rest with the Goliaths after dealing with their issue. You could do that, and then you could go into Lost Spire of Netheril, and then go right up to Revel's End. We may not be back in the Ten Towns for a while, if ever, which is interesting to think about. All right, we've been going for an hour now, so I think that will do it for this week's Crafting Icewind Dale. If you enjoy the content, please check out Patreon. 
patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Adam, Stan, William, I'm Loud, Kyle, Brandon, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Role, Player, Role, Lindsay, and shout to new Platinum Patron, Christopher. And gold patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcus, Dead Lizard, Lounge, Sam, Lumpy Spuds, Jerome, Nathan, Fast Like a Tortoise, and Scott. Thank you all very much for your support. I'll see you all for some more crafting Icewind Dale on Thursday. Have a good one.